Hello, and welcome to Fransic Radelet's FMLA Insights Podcast. I'm Jeff Novak, a partner at Fransic Radelet. For those of you who aren't familiar with Fransic Radelet, we are a law firm of about 50 attorneys focusing on labor, employment, employee benefits, and education law. A significant part of my practice deals with the FMLA and uh, assisting our clients in uh, administering leave under the Act. I think it's fair to say that the FMLA has been one of the largest sources of questions and, frankly, confusion for the clients that we work with because so many of our clients uh, encounter similar issues. They ask the same questions, uh, very similar questions when administering FMLA. We've launched this monthly podcast as a service to them and other HR professionals who are looking for practical advice in administering the FMLA. Each month on the FMLA Insights podcast, we focus on a different issue or question that we've come across in the course of our work on the FMLA. This month, I'm focusing on the the intersection of workers' compensation leave and FMLA. We're often asked whether an employer can and should run FMLA leave at the same time an employee is absent from work due to a workers' compensation injury. A number of related questions come up as well. How is FMLA affected where light duty is involved, for example? Or what if an employee works modified duty? Is the FMLA implicated there? Uh, How do you run other paid leave when an employee is out on both workers' compensation and FMLA? These are excellent questions, and they're, they're difficult to deal with at times. Uh, and, and they're very common questions. They're, they're so common that we thought we would put these uh, together in a podcast and hit them uh, head on this month in our podcast. To start, let's keep in mind that an employee who is otherwise eligible for FMLA leave may take leave under the Family and Medical Leave Act if they suffer from a serious health condition that renders them unable to do their job. In a workers' compensation situation, a serious health condition typically arises under one of two scenarios. One, where the employee has an illness, injury, impairment involving an overnight stay in a hospital, or perhaps uh, um, more frequently, a period of incapacity of more than three days, and treatment uh, with a health care provider. And those could be in one of two situations. So you have... Um, Uh, incapacity for more than three days where treatment occurs two or more times with a health care provider or a treatment at least one time, one occasion with a health care provider, which results in a regimen of continuing treatment. So simply put, the FMLA clearly allows employers to designate as FMLA leave those absences due to a workplace injury where those injuries qualify as a serious health condition. If the injury amounts to a serious health condition because uh, of a hospital stay or because uh, you have an absence in conjunction with with, uh, continued treatment, it's important to follow the mandates of the FMLA. What I find in my practice is that employers forget about FMLA whenever a workers' compensation situation arises. The idea is that the workers' compensation laws allow the employee the time off that he or she needs, and they need not worry about anything else. And so the employer, um, often enough, forgets that FMLA is at play here as well. 
unless an employer is specifically prohibited by provisions in a bargaining agreement or uh, certain personnel policies, it's important. It's, in fact, uh, allowed, specifically allowed under the FMLA regulations to run FMLA concurrently, run it at the same time with any absences attributable to the workers' compensation injury. From day one, if the workplace injury is a serious health condition, designate all of that time as FMLA leave so that FMLA clock begins to run. If you don't designate that time, you're providing the employee, uh, essentially, more leave than he or she is legally entitled to. Take the following scenario, for example. Uh, You've got uh, an employee that that picks up a a 40-pound crate of some material, and he throws his back out. You learn later that he's ruptured a disc in his back and is out for some period of time. After multiple surgeries and ongoing treatment, uh, he's out for, for four months. He now returns to work after that four-month period, and, and he's, he's ready to go back to his original job. Months later now, let's say, let's say a month or two later, he's now developed bronchitis, completely separate issue, not related, obviously, to the, to the back injury at all. He develops bronchitis, and he's out for three weeks. In the three months thereafter, he, he now needs intermittent leave for that bronchitis uh, before it's fully resolved. If you had designated the employee's worker's compensation absence back um, from his injured back, if you had designated that as FMLA leave, his FMLA entitlement would have been exhausted prior to his return from worker's comp leave. As a result, he would not be entitled to additional FMLA leave for uh, the absence due to his bronchitis. FMLA leave at that point would have been entirely exhausted, at least for that FMLA year. So it's critical as a best practice to run FMLA leave at the same time as workers' comp leave, so long as your policies and bargaining agreements provide for it. When it comes to workers' comp and FMLA, uh, other issues arise as well. Um, How do you pay an employee? And, and how are uh, pay policies, paid leave policies implicated by workers' comp and FMLA? Uh, specifically, the question that, that I often get, can an employer require an employee to substitute accrued paid leave if the employee is on both workers' comp and FMLA? Keep in mind that since the workers' compensation absence is already considered paid leave, the FMLA does not allow the employer to substitute accrued paid leave for any part of that absence that is covered by the payments under a workers' comp plan. However, assuming that this is acceptable under your workers' comp plan and acceptable under state law, an employer and an employee can agree to use accrued paid leave to supplement the pay under that under that uh, workers' comp plan or uh, under the workers' compensation benefits, given that workers' compensation typically only provides replacement income for two-thirds of an employee's salary. Keep in mind, however, that the employee and the employer must agree to use paid leave to bring the employee's pay up to 100% of, it, of his or her wages. Another scenario is the lag time before workers' compensation kicks in. As we know, many workers' compensation plans do not start paying out benefits until the seventh or eighth day. It varies depending on the plan. 
in this situation, unpaid FMLA leave still would begin on the first day the employee is absent. Also, assuming, again, that your personnel policies allow it, you could also require that the employee utilize accrued paid sick leave until they uh, run up against uh, workers' compensation benefits. So don't let that tricky seven-day provision fool you. You still have the right to run FMLA from day one, and you have the right, typically, unless policies prevent it, you have the right to require the employee to use accrued paid leave for the initial days until those workers' comp benefits kick in. Moving on to a different uh, question, medical certification, medical documentation. Another question I often receive, what can an employer do if it questions the adequacy of a medical documentation form it receives during an employee's workers' compensation absence? It's an interesting question, and it's it's a common uh, scenario. If an employee is on FMLA running concurrently with a workers' compensation absence, so long as the, the workers' compensation statute permits the employer or the employer's representative to have contact with the employee's workers' comp health care provider, the employer may follow the workers' compensation provisions. Uh, that's really favorable to employers. So, in other words, the employer may have direct contact with the employee's health care provider in the manner in which the workers' comp statute provides. Keep in mind, too, the, the new FMLA regulations also allow an employer to contact an employee's health care uh, provider to authenticate or clarify medical certification uh, so long as the employee was first given a chance to cure any deficiencies and to the extent the employer is seeking clarification, it first obtains the employee's permission. Light duty, obviously, is a significant issue when we're discussing the intersection of workers' comp and FMLA. One question an HR professional recently asked me, can an employee turn down a light duty job and take FMLA instead? And if so, what happens to workers' compensation benefits at that point? Uh, Again, another common um, question that employers face. If the employer has a light duty job available and the employee's healthcare provider certifies that the employee can perform a light duty job, the employee still may decline the employer's offer of a light duty job if it's not the same or equivalent job that he held before uh, FMLA leave began. Keep in mind, the employee has an absolute right to take FMLA leave for that period of time so long as he or she cannot perform the essential functions of that job. However, the reality is is that as a result of turning down light duty, the employee likely is going to lose workers' compensation benefits. Um, Keep in mind, too, when workers' compensation benefits cease, the employee may elect or the employer may require the use of accrued paid leave. Don't, Don't forget, again, to run paid leave wherever you can. Another issue as to light duty, on occasion you may run into an issue where the doctor releases the employee to light duty, let's say for a half a day, and the employee must be excused from work for the remaining half of the day. I wouldn't treat this situation much different. First, there needs to be a light duty position available uh, by the employer, let's say for four hours a day. Assuming there is such a position available, The employer would provide light duty for that period of time and then charge FMLA leave against the employee's allotment 
for the four hours per day that he or she couldn't work. Presumably, the employee would receive workers' comp benefits for those four hours that they can't work. As to light duty, keep in mind uh, that the time that the employee works in that light duty position, the employer cannot count that time against an employee's FMLA allotment. And this is this is a, a departure from several court cases um, under the old FMLA regulations where uh, the courts found that the employer could count the light duty time against an employee's FMLA allotment. Under the new rules, that's no longer the case. Employers absolutely cannot count light duty against FMLA. As you can see, there's there's plenty of, of sticky issues here where workers' compensation and FMLA are involved. Rule number one, keep in mind that when you're dealing with a workers' compensation injury, almost always you're dealing with an FMLA triggering situation. So when you when you're faced with that workers' compensation injury, always analyze it under an FMLA framework as well. Be sure to send out that notice of eligibility, the rights and responsibilities notice. Follow it up with medical certification or, or seek medical certification at the same time and follow it up with a designation notice so that you as an employer, uh, as an HR professional, are fully uh, preserving your rights as the employer under the FMLA. That wraps up this edition of Franzic Radelitz FMLA Insights Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We welcome your questions, your feedback on issues that we can address in future podcasts. If you have any questions or issues you'd like to uh, us to address, please email us at fmla at franzic.com. This podcast is a free production of Franzic Radelitz. Franzic Radelitz podcast and website are intended for general informational purposes only and are not legal advice. While we encourage your feedback, please do not send us any confidential information unless you are a client of our firm as your communications with us may not be privileged.